When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Learner mindset positions us to be comfortable with uncertainty, or I have a quote about that. The best anecdote to uncertainty is inquiry. Hey, it's David, and you're listening to Leadership Without Losing Your Soul, your source for practical leadership inspiration, tools, and strategies you can use to achieve transformational results without sacrificing your humanity or your mind in the process. Hey, welcome to the show. So glad that you can join us today. Uh, excited for our guest. We're going to have a great conversation. And uh, before we get going, though, I just want to thank you again for your reviews, your sharing the podcast. Uh, you've made us one of the top leadership podcasts in the world and one of the top 10% podcasts of every variety. So thank you for sharing. Thank you for those reviews. Keep them coming. They make a difference and they help other people engage in these practical human-centered leadership tools and strategies. And we're going to get more of those today with our guest. Her name is Dr. Marilee Adams, and she is a pioneer in the practice of intentional questioning and mindset management. She's a best-selling author, consultant, coach, speaker, and CEO founder of the Inquiry Institute. So this person likes questions, and we're going to get more of that. She's an affiliate instructor for Weatherhead Executive Education at Case Western Reserve University. And the book we're here to talk about today is out in a new fourth edition. It's a quick read business fable, international bestseller that sold more than 400,000 copies in 22 languages. Folks, I got to tell you, as an author myself, that's a lot of books. Dr. Marilee Adams, welcome to Leadership Without Losing Your Soul. I am delighted to be here and looking forward to the conversation. Well, you know, I am too, and I know you're all about questions. So I got to start with one for you that isn't about the book, uh, but it is about you. So we can get to know you in a little bit better way. And the question is, if you can think back to your earliest memory of yourself as a leader, what might that be? Oh, that's an interesting question, because of course, leadership doesn't necessarily depend on role or title or any of that. Um, I would say when I was in high school, actually, and um, I was kind of struggling a little bit with finding my place in all the different communities that I belong to. And it occurred to me that if I became a leader in some of these organizations, that that would automatically position me to develop relationships and friendships and also learn some things. And so I did that. Fascinating. So your foray into leadership was because you recognized the value that it would have in terms of connections and relationships. Absolutely. Wow. And I wonder how much of that connection and relationship has informed your work since then. Oh, quite a lot. And, um, and thank you for asking me that question, because I hadn't connected that myself as the beginning of, of um, having an orientation to leadership and relationship. Um, 
it's so easy to think about leadership as in the old way that people thought about leadership is the leader has all the answers and everybody else just salutes. And as you well know, that model of leadership is very outdated, even in the services like the Army, the Navy. But, I mean, it's Absolutely. really outdated and that um, it's so important to understand that the higher one goes in an organization, the more technical expertise is not as important as social expertise and social emotional intelligence. So the the um, the more related a, a, a leader can be, the more empathetic, the better listening, the better anticipating the the qualitative and not just the quantitative aspects of results is going to make a huge difference. And there's a lot of research to back that up. A huge difference. And which gets us really into the heart of uh, the book that is out now, fourth edition, over 400,000 sold. The title of the book, Change Your Questions, Change Your Life, 12 Powerful Tools for Leadership, Coaching, and Results. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just love that. You know, you just mentioned uh, it's not about having all the answers. And that that trend had been happening before, but if the pandemic pandemic, easy for me to say, if the pandemic did nothing else for leadership, uh, and it did many things, but if it did nothing else, I think it helped people realize the value of good questions as opposed to trying to have all the answers that nobody can possibly have. That's right. And it underscores the, the importance of curiosity also, because it's not just que- uh, questions, it's curiosity and caring and thinking from the other person's or the team's point of view, not just your own. And it does come down to, well, the last title, the last chapter in Change Your Questions is entitled The Inquiring Leader. And it does come down to the kinds of questions we ask ourselves and the mindset from which we ask them, and then how that turns into communication, both formal and informal. Such a powerful mindset to approach with curiosity. It's it's a there are just so many different avenues. We could just camp out on the word curiosity for the next hour, but I want to get into some yeah. of these tools that and and the the approach that that you share in change your questions, change your life because it is powerful and it's it's profound in the way that it can help the leaders and, and everyone listening to the show. So you know, you make a statement early on in the book. And so, okay, the the book is a business fable and I don't want to divulge the whole story because I want our listeners to go get the book. So we'll try to talk about some of the concepts and give people some tools, but I I also want to leave you listener. I want to leave you hungry to get this one because it's one you're going to want to read. So you start off, our character learns the best way to solve a problem is to first come up with better questions. Well, it takes him a bit to learn that because he's a dedicated, quote, answer man. And he doesn't understand that while that worked in his previous position where he was the technical expert, it does not work when um, you're leading people and responsive to people and needing to be sensitive to people. So he had a bit of a challenge of switching from the answer man with a need for certainty and the right answers and all of that 
to understanding the benefits of being curious and connected and caring. Um, and it also impacts that impacts the kinds of questions we ask ourselves and others. So he has a learning curve there. And I'll mention also that, um, yes, it's a business fable. It's also a relationship fable. There are two chapters about uh, our hero, his name is Ben, his relationship with his wife and how learning these tools and principles literally impacts his marriage and um, not just his business performance. And what's really cool is in all the leadership training I do, and I do quite a lot, it is absolutely typical that people will either say in the class or the webinar, um, or they'll pull me aside because they don't want to say it in front of others. And they'll say, this is the greatest course. I mean, it's so helpful and all that. But what I really care about is my relationship with my spouse is better or my teenagers. And that happens very predictably. And I understand it because if, if you as a human being are oriented to curiosity, connecting and caring, and that's how you operate in the world, of course, you're going to take that home and it's going to make life better. And it does. Well, I will proudly confess in front of not just you privately, but everyone listening right now that I definitely, as I read through the book, was also thinking of the the practices in terms of my marriage relationship with my teenage son, with grown children, with you know the the range, not just in the the leadership and business settings. Although, of course, my partner is also business partner, so we have that too. So in in the transition and and I have compassion for and I think this is an important point to bring up because when you talk about being an answer man or answer person somebody who with technical expertise we need to and in those roles typically we need to have mastery of our content and what it is that we're doing and be able to have the answer and solve the problem and get it done and, and figure it out and that when you first move into leadership management roles, that's what success has looked like. And it required, not that we might not have had a curious approach to life or mind or the work, but it really does require a transition. And that transition can be challenging. Well, it can be challenging. And sometimes people even decide this is more challenging than I want to deal with. And and makes me think one of one of the first talks I gave on question asking after my first book was published, which was a psychology textbook called The Art of the Question. And I don't know how they got it, but I ended up being invited to the National Defense University to speak with them about um, strategy and uh, critical thinking. They used all of this material, and it was so surprising to me to be invited into that setting, recognizing that it was leadership training formally and informally. And they also told, this was a year-long program that was very intense, and the, the psychologist there told me that um, there, there were some people who went through the program and then decided... I don't think being a leader is for me. And you know what? 
that's a really good decision on their part because people should do what's congruent and empowering for them. Absolutely. I always have so much respect for people who really give it a hard look and go, hmm, yeah, this isn't something I want to do. Right. And I also would reference a wonderful book by Marshall Goldsmith called um, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. Fantastic work. It's it's so helpful. I've used it in so many different classes. And it speaks to what we're talking about, David, because you can have technical expertise. Doesn't mean you have the social skills to work with people. And I think it's it's really very blind of companies to promote people with one skill set and expect them to magically have another skill set just because their title is different. And, you know, good luck, but I don't think that's going to happen very often. Absolutely. It's one of the most important, uh, we've talked, I think we've talked about that in past episodes, one of the most important decisions you make and how you're choosing who to put into those places of responsibility and what equipping and practice and exposure and experience you're giving people before you're asking that of them. It's hugely important. Yeah. Well, and and for listeners cross-promoting past episodes, if you missed or have, it's been a minute, go back and listen to Marshall Goldsmith's episode a season or two ago uh, where we were discussing his new book, but we do dive into what Marilee was talking about in in the, uh, what got you here, won't get you there. Powerful stuff. All right. And and he also wrote the foreword to change your questions. Yes, he did. And the in Change Your Questions, the good news for our Ben, our, our hero, and everyone listening here is that if you have been in that mode of being an answer person, and he, he gets this wisdom, the route from being an answer man to becoming a question man is much shorter than you might think. So let's start going down that path of okay. making that transition. Uh, there's some mindsets involved and some other things. So at, at the 50,000 foot level, why don't you talk us through what that looks like? And then let's dive into some of the specifics. Okay. So oftentimes people ask me, well, what's your big idea? And it's a complicated question for me because there are actually two. And I'm going to describe them briefly because it, it, um, I think it'll stimulate some thinking about leadership. So the first idea is when we talk about question asking, naturally, people think we're talking about interpersonal question asking. And of course we are. What I've added to that is some new thinking about thinking. And that is that the way that we think, once we know to notice it, is that we think in terms of questions. And the state, the thoughts that we come up with are actually answers. So when you understand that you can recognize your thinking and actually do something about it in real time, then that's an enormous benefit because so often people talk about communication and how important it is. Of course it is, but it's such a vast word that it's almost meaningless. And in truth, the way we communicate what comes out of our mouths or our fingers is actually an answer to the questions we're asking ourselves. So communication begins inside our heads and maybe our hearts, and then we manifest it in some way. And what that perspective gives you is an enormously efficient and powerful way to leverage um, 
how you're interacting and what kinds of results you get. So sh- should I say anything more about that or go on to the second point? Well, I just want to, I want to just tap in for a moment, then we'll get to the second point about the power of being able to be aware of how you're thinking and to do something about that. Mm-hmm. How incredibly powerful. I just want to under, you said it, I want to underscore it for everyone. And then we're going to get into some of the how here in a moment, but let's go ahead and get your second point. Um, I will say in the courses that I teach both like at Weatherhead and what at American and with companies like DHS and um, the Federal Reserve Board, where we've done work with the culture and the leaders there. Um, the question part, the thinking part, always is kind of startling. And at the same time, it's like a natural recognition. Oh, what you're describing is really so. And it takes um, some of the mystery out of thinking. But we are talking about the process of thinking. And you know, what could be more powerful than that? I mean, I actually could answer that with a few, (laughs) but we're not going there. So the second point is that every one of us human beings has two mindsets. I call one of them judger mindset and the other one learner mindset. We all have both mindsets. It's very normal. We always will. You can't get rid of, like people would say, well, judger, I don't want to be in judger. Um, but it's inevitable because it's neurologically hardwired. So just and, very and they're brief. there for a reason, right? Our judger oh, mindset. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, so when we're in judger mindset, and this is a big we because it's all of us, we're more reactive, we're more needing of certainty and more afraid of uncertainty, which is a problem in this world today. Um Our interactions are more win-lose, and we're very judgmental, and I'm making a distinction between judgmental and good judgment, because that's not what we're talking about here. So when we're critical, remember this is in our thinking also, when we're critical and judgmental, we can aim it either at ourselves, where we end up with a lot of self-doubt, or we we could aim our judger at others, or often we do both, and then we're critical and dismissive of others. And um, as a leader, you can get things done from a strong judger perspective, but they won't last as long, and you're going to lose loyalty and trust from people. Now, at the on the other hand, we all have a learner mindset. And um, when we're in our learner mindset, we're open-minded, we're accepting, we're curious. Our orientation is win-win. And our goal is to create something. When When we get really stuck in judger, which we all do from time to time, we end up kind of drowning in the mud a little bit. And I make that reference for a reason because I'm going to talk about the choice map in a second, which illustrates the two mindsets. Um, but what's really important is that when we're in learner, we are positioned to be collaborative. We are positioned to find out what the facts are and to investigate our assumptions 
which should be a thinking discipline for everybody all the time, and it rarely is. Um, and the other thing that's really important is in terms of how our mindsets position us for the future. So if we're stuck in judger, which we often get to, it's actually the default position, um, that our thinking is more narrow and um, the future actually looks like some kind of version of the past. Right. When we're in learner mindset, you actually can be creative, which is a very important quality for leaders. You can be innovative. And it's from learner mindset that new thinking and new possibilities arise. And it, it occurs to me that from a leadership perspective, everyone listening, you know, invested in, in leadership, leadership at its core is about creating a new and better tomorrow that we're, we're coming together. We're bringing people together to do something and create a better future for ourselves. That takes creativity. That takes imagination. That takes problem solving. It takes all of those elements that come from some of that learner mindset that the judger mindset can't achieve. That's correct. That's correct. So um, I sometimes use the term learner leader or like I said, inquiring leader. And one of the virtues of that, um, and you you kind of pointed to it, is when you started talking about the pandemic, and that implies a lot of chaos, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of not being able to rely on all answers because we're in new situations, that that becomes really important. Learner mindset positions us to be comfortable with uncertainty, or I have a quote about that, the best anecdote to uncertainty is inquiry, because then you're in the moment thinking, and you're thinking about the future, not stuck on past answers or past anxieties. Mm. And that is so applicable in so many different realms of life. I mean, if we're just talking about work life, there are the the business environments, and those are always shifting in the competitive landscape, and that's shifting and technology shifts. And then there's the social landscape, which as we continue to evolve as human beings and, and learn and grow, that's uncertain for many people. And so, so many of these different elements where that learner mindset is going to serve us. I love your quote. The best antidote to uncertainty is, is inquiry. inquiry. It's fantastic. Thank you. I love like it, it myself. <laughs> I love that. All right. Well, that's, I got to remember that one, write that one. Yeah, down. I used it in a keynote and it really worked. <laughs> it, it, it's a good one. And it, it, it uh, resonates because it's true. You know, when, when you're talking about the learner and the judger mindset, and I had this question throughout the book thinking, and I think it through myself and I, I am at core, a big believer in a stance of curiosity and inquiry and want to be in that learner mindset as often as I can be. And like you said, I get stuck in, in judger as we all do. You've referenced that. One of my questions that, and this is, it's been before I read your book and it's one I've been sitting with for a while. So I'm, I'm curious about your perspective on this and how you recommend people move through this is when I'm feeling, or when a person, when one is feeling misunderstood, mistreated, or really hurt in a relationship or in a team or in an organization, it can be 
challenging to pull up to your better self and, and ask some of the questions and we'll get into some of the specific questions, but Mm -hmm. when we're feeling that way, some of that awareness that you were talking about and that you've, you emphasized throughout the book, how do we tap into that? Where does the beginning of that process to help switch from judger when we're really stuck there into more of a, of a learner mindset and how we go about making that switch when particularly when we're hurting? That's a complex and very important question. So I'm going to make a bunch of points and then we'll pull it all together. Um, first of all, it begins with, it's so helpful to know that we all have two mindsets and that we can look at our questions, like really, like what questions am I asking myself about myself or the other person or the situation? And um, are they helping or hurting? That's a really useful question. It's important to remember that judger is just an is. It, It exists. It's neurological. It gets socially reinforced. Some organizations more than others reinforce judger environments, which often end up being toxic workplaces, as you can imagine. But the first thing is, if you can say, am I in judger? And here's the key. Ask that question non-judgmentally. That's, oh, that's, that's a tough one. Yeah. So but I need to, when I'm in judger, non-judgmentally ask myself if I'm in judger. But the moment you ask that question, here's the sneaky part. The moment you ask that question, if you can do it non-judgmentally, you've already taken a step into learner because you're observing yourself and you're being curious. Yes. So then once you've asked a question like that, then you can ask, and I'm going to give you some questions that are helpful in switching from um, learner, from judger to learner. So one of them is, is this what I want to be doing or feeling? If I keep going the way I am right now, whenever the situation is, what are the likely consequences? Are those consequences what I really want or that will serve me or people around me or the organization? And one of my personal favorites is regardless of the circumstances to keep asking, who do I choose to be in this moment? It's very simple. Who do I choose to be in this moment? And the beauty of that question is it's unavoidable. And it puts agency and responsibility for change on ourselves and not outside of ourselves, which is the only place we actually have any power anyway. So um, I would add to that, well, a couple things. The switching from judger to learner also incorporates naturally acceptance, forgiveness, empathy. It's just part of the package. So when people start switching, whether they use those words or not, those qualities and experiences and orientation come along with it, which is really a beautiful thing. Before you go on, maybe not a question, but I just wanted to emphasize the power of that you know, the first two questions. So am I in judger, which immediately is a curious question <laughs> gets us into more of a learner mindset. But that next one, I think when we're really hurting uh, or really feeling upset about or disrespected, whatever the situation might be, 
that question that you started with, do I want to continue feeling the way I'm feeling? Was that it? Yeah. And or doing what I'm doing, behaving the way I'm, you know, the way I am. Because inherently, the answer to that question, if we're in one of those situations, is going to be, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't care. For Not this. always. Sometimes no? people will okay. say, you know what? I'm in judger and I like it and I'm going to stay here for a while. But what's fascinating about that is there's this implicit interesting by saying that they're actually also speaking from learner a little bit. Um, I do want to go back to it because you've mentioned a few times, what do we do when we're hurting, when we're triggered? And I think that's really so important for a leader. Um, I remember saying to my classes um, at AU, and, and they were all senior, really senior in the government. And I would say, you know, there's going to come a day when you're leading an important meeting or press conference or something, and somebody is going to say something that triggers your judger. And you're going to have a nanosecond to get yourself back into learner and manage that. Mm -hmm. So it takes something to build our skills and our resilience so that when that happens, and as a leader, you're guaranteed that that's going to happen, that you can be um, in possession of yourself, of your responses, and not be reactive, because you could lose the cause you're working on, the legislation, the policy, the goals, all of that, simply in how you show up and what mindset you're showing up in. And I want to add one quick thing to that, which is when we train people here at Inquiry Institute, and also when I teach it or give keynotes, it's um, it's just so important to include um, what I'm going to call somatic practices. And somatic means body. So we always teach people different ways to relax, to calm themselves down, to switch themselves physiologically, because um, it's not just in our thinking. Our mindsets are in our bodies. And so the more that we practice that, the more we build the resilience muscle, then um, if we get triggered, we know how to recover more quickly. And sometimes it just means, oh, my God, I'm so angry with that person. I think I'll take a walk. Yeah. Or let them know um, I need to take a break and I'll come back in a few minutes or something so that you can reset yourself. Because as a leader, you do not have the luxury of just sprouting off anytime <laughs> you feel like it. Everything uh, you need to do needs to be strategic. I mean, we've all known a few leaders like that, I think. We have. Yeah, that uh, we're struggling in that arena. All right, we're talking with Dr. Marilee Adams. She is the author of Change Your Questions, Change Your Life, 12 Powerful Tools for Leadership, Coaching, and Results. And we've been talking about the judger mindset and the learner mindset and the value in being aware of these mindsets of learning how to tap into our learner mindset and to approach more situations with it, the mastery of self and, and things that and influence and finding answers and inquiry that comes with all of this dealing with uncertainty. 
So Marilee, take us into, you, you shared a few of the questions that help us to switch from one to the other. Are there other questions when we're talking about changing your questions to change your life? Are there other questions that we should be thinking about as well? Well, let's start. I want to go back to the ones I said already first, Yes. which is um, it becomes so key to be aware of where you are. And you know that in any change orientation, if you're going to have meaningful change, people need to be aware first. In fact, it's the first pillar of emotional intelligence. And the second one, by the way, is self-management, self-regulation, and that's switching. So when people practice this work a lot, including with the somatic practices, they're building their emotional intelligence, which means they're more resilient, less likely to get triggered. And that's really, really, really critical. Once you've got yourself centered into learner, then um, then you are more able to think about the perspective of the other person, of the goals, of the bigger picture, and um, and you're more present with people. So it, it's a huge advantage. And I'm going to give you um, a question to ask to help you design your questions. Because I don't think having a long list of questions, even if they're great ones, um, doesn't necessarily help you because you still in the moment have to ask yourself, which of these questions is going to work before you speak the question? So the question is, and this is really practical, ask yourself, what do I want my question to accomplish? Mm. And that automatically has you thinking about how is it going to impact the person or the team or the the all hands meeting or whatever it is. What do I want my question to accomplish? And if you ask that question routinely, you will find yourself coming up with the appropriate question because it becomes organic. It becomes natural. There's a practical takeaway. What do I want my question to accomplish? And letting that question guide us to the effective questions in that moment. One of my favorite things about questions in general and and effective questions, what we've been talking about is questions point our mind to solutions. We may not know what those solutions are. We may not know what those answers will be or what's come come out of the team or ourselves. But when we're asking the right questions, we've at least pointed our brain in that direction. And you're also pointing your time orientation. So solution is future oriented, and that would be learner. And when we keep going over what's wrong or didn't work or who to blame, we're looking at the past, which is not going to get us where we need to go. One of the questions in, in that regard that uh, you ask, and I think it's a, maybe you can tell me maybe if, if I'm on the right track here or not, a variation on the, what do I want my questions to accomplish is the, what do I want for myself and for others? Yes. Uh, that was, that was one that, one that I always find to be incredibly helpful when I am trying to reframe, switch over and figure out what things are going to be going forward or, or solve difficult problems is what do I actually want for myself and for others, as opposed to whatever the judger was wanting to, to stay put with. 
Yeah. And by the way, that includes being willing to make mistakes, to apologize, to uh, reorient yourself, and to have that same as a leader at whatever level, to have that same um, um, orientation to others. Mm. Because the mistakes are to learn from. And if what we do, and we would do this from Judger, is we punish people, well, they're not going to learn anything and they're not going to do better next time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Blame is very backwards looking, isn't it? And it's very compelling because it, it comes with strong emotions that kind of grab us. Um, and we might not even notice that we're hurtling down the judger path. And let me say something here about the choice map, because Everything that we're talking about right now is actually visible. It's the choice map is a is a, an illustration of the two mindsets and where they take us and what kinds of questions are likely to be asked from each mindset. And it also illustrates how one switches from judger to learner. Um, and it's a, a really powerful image. And so while we're talking about the 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 map. Why don't you tell us where, give our listeners, uh, where can we find it? Uh, Cause I know you have that available for everybody in a, in a really useful download and then some other resources as well. So where do we find you? Where do we find the map and everything else we might want? Well, uh, go to inquiryinstitute.com and there's lots of information on there, but specifically about the choice map. Um, you can get a free download of the choice map. And um, you have to take a, sh a very short but useful quiz for yourself. And then you get the choice map and you get other information to go along with it. And one of the reasons that we make it free is we want people... Now, it's for personal use. I'm not saying free like, you know... Um, put it in all your leadership material. That we could talk about. But... What I do know is that when people can follow the choice map, and it's so intuitive that people get it very, very quickly. Uh, um, I mean, I've had people pull it out of my hands and say, I have to have that, you know? <laughs> which I think is great. It is uh, that useful, very practical tool. For but me. I also use it, and I'm going to say this, for with my leadership courses, all this material is integrated into the leadership courses. And also, um, um, how, like I said before, how people orient in their personal lives. And it's very instructive because it shows you how to switch. And switching is not just change your questions. It's also somatic. How do you get yourself to calm down? How do you get uh, the stress hormone cortisol to diminish in your body so that you can recover yourself and get centered and do what you need to do? It's a moment by moment by moment, which is why I said that switching question, who do I choose to be in this moment? Which so I would love for people to have the choice map and you can use it with your teams. And oftentimes I'll say to people, um, well, have you ever been on a judge or team? And they always laugh because they know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Then I can say, have you ever been on a learner team? They say, yes. I say, 
What's the difference? And they can tell you. And it alters how people are aware of themselves, how they manage themselves and their relationships, which also makes it very efficient. Well, and I want to tap into that just a little bit farther here. Um, you know, and while we're talking about the the map, the uh, you've also got concurrent with the fourth edition. You've also got a change your questions, change your life workbook mm-hmm. uh, to master your mindset using question thinking, which will show uh, users and listeners you get this: how to change your questions, your mindset for for the successful outcomes that you're after. So, a wealth of resources available uh, that I would encourage you to take advantage of. That's... I want to mention just something about the workbook. I'm so glad you brought that up because the workbook is designed for the reader, whether or not they've read the fable book. So it's got to be standalone. standalone. They're powerful together. But what the workbook does is take people through the same transformative journey that Ben goes through. And so it's very personal. You're applying this, the work to a situation. It has assessments in there. It has choice maps used in different ways because I wanted people to end up with, oh, I can do this. And here's the evidence I've done this. To experience it firsthand. And as a leader, you were getting to this uh, in, a, in a moment ago when you're talking about how to use the, the map is um, when we use the choice map with our teams, one of the, the chapters in the book you talk about is how to build a learner team. So if everyone's listening today going, okay, yeah, I I want to be making that transition. I want to be more in my own learner mindset and I'm committed to that. I'm gonna, I'm on that journey and I'm going to get the, the change map. I'm going to use it. And they're the choice map. And then they're thinking about how to build that, those practices into their team. You start us off by saying, first, let's just, Talk about it. Let's ask our team. Have you worked with a judger team? Well, actually, let me give you something very practical about that. Um, And I've done this with so many teams. So when I introduce the choice map, I don't try to teach it to them. I give it to them to look at. And what I will often do is say, given the principles that you see on the choice map, have a conversation about what kinds of guidelines you would have for how you're going to communicate and be with each other and work together. Now, they come up with pretty much what I would suggest, you know, listen better, ask questions, be respectful, talk one person at a time, make sure you understand what they said. But the point is, they came up with those guidelines. And because they came up with them, they're more likely to adhere to them and to take them more seriously. And then you have a frame of reference for when things come up that you want to work with. Great suggestion. Practical. You've got the, you have the map, you got the the choice map to be able to let people reflect on that and then come up with their own guidelines around that. One another practice that uh, you recommend in the book, and I found this so interesting uh, merely is that there is this is a team practice for learner teams about looking at judgers. So noticing where whether a judge or yours or someone else is pointing to something that's worth discovering and paying attention to. Oh, I love that you said that. And I just love. Well, I love that you had it in there because it's it calls attention to the value that the judger mindset does have available for us. 
but from the learner, the inquiry, the curiosity perspective. So I wondered if you'd walk us through how that works, what we're looking for, how that discussion might go. So um, let's say some person or a few people get very triggered in a meeting about X topic. It would be easy to go judger on the people who are going judger. It's very easy to do. If instead you got curious about why are they saying that? Are they saying something that I'm missing or that we need to know about? And they're worried that we aren't getting it. And just because their delivery might be very judger, what could be the value? And then that takes you on a line of questioning and engaging with them in a partnered way rather than being um, judgmental about them and having the whole team end up in the judger pit, which is illustrated on the choice map. And I think it's so important to, to look behind the obvious and see, and this is another great question, what am I missing? What might somebody else see that I'm not seeing, but is important? And it, it can make an enormous difference. Are, are those questions you recommend asking aloud or are those more reflective questions? Both, both. But you know what? You can ask the very same question from judger or from learner. And I promise you, it will not land the same way. <laughs> What am I missing? I think that that's one as an example. I can picture the judger version and the true curiosity and learner exactly. version. Yeah. 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 That tone and, and approach matters on those. All right. We're talking with Dr. Marilee Adams, the author of Change Your Questions, Change Your Life, 12 Powerful Tools for Leadership, Coaching, and Results. Uh, Marilee, thank you. We've, we've gotten so many uh, good approaches, good questions, way to make the shift from judger to learner mindset, free tools we can use conversations to have with our team. As we're wrapping up today, I'm wondering if in all of your work, you have been working with so many different organizations and leaders and, and, and plus and, and many more. Is there a transformation of, of someone's journey or a team's journey or an organization's journey that, that stands out to you that has less, left a lasting impact uh, that you might share with us? Are you referring to like work I've done with a client? Or, yeah, uh, not in a confidential way, but in a the impact of this transformation and somebody, somebody or someone's how they've used these tools and what experience they, they've had as a result that's been particularly inspirational. Well, I'll mention again the Federal Reserve Board, uh, because which is not the banks; it's the board that kind of runs it all, and. It, it just happened that two people there had independently read Change Your Questions and discovered that one day in a conversation. And they said, oh, do you think we could get her? And they called, you know, Inquiry Institute. And we ended up doing some workshops there. And then they had three people in their organization participate in our chief question officer course, which is a six-month immersive course because we want the skills and the principles to be embedded in the organization and they can use them on the ground and every day. And so I thought that was such a smart move for them and they are doing it years later, they are actually doing it. And um, 
you know, that's just particularly satisfying. I used to say to my AU students, this is the most patriotic thing I could do to teach this material to your senior leaders, because it will make a difference. Um, and it does. I mean, I could give you tons of examples. If we had a couple more hours, I would do that. <laughs> that's one that's been inspiring. All right. Well, there you have it. Listeners, change your questions change your life and be the leader you'd want your boss to be. Dr. Marilee Adams, thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. Well, this was really a pleasure and thank you for the conversation. And my pleasure. Take care all. We'll see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.